It's about the Christmas story, and there are many amazing things. It's how this story was in the making for thousands of years. People had been expecting a great king or great prophet to come and rescue them from their oppressors. They expected he would be the son of King David or someone like the prophet Elijah. They had great expectations and for good reason. We hope you experience some surprises and amazement this Christmas season. The words from the ancient prophets will bring a new perception. Jesus was everything they said he'd be and more. Great expectations and a host of surprises. Well, good morning. Um, it is great to have you here with us. And as you can see already, we've been celebrating a lot that's happening here at White Oak, the things that God's doing, the things, anticipating what he will do. And really glad that you're here with us this morning. If you're watching online, glad that you're here with us as well. We kicked off our Christmas series last weekend called Great Expectations. And the truth is, um, and especially at this time of year, but in general, we are a people that have a lot of expectations. And I don't know if you're one of these people, but I I promise you, you have one of them in your family, okay? This is one I'm going to describe to you. This is the person who plans everything or just has this image in their head of things just unraveling just, just beautifully and perfectly, especially at Christmas time, all right? So, so they make plans of an event or a family gathering, and it's just going to, every detail is going to be planned perfectly. It's going to be beautiful. There's going to be these wonderful pictures that come from it that you can share. And, and if it doesn't happen that way, this person just implodes or explodes, all right? I mean, do you have anybody in that family, in your family, just has these high expectations and it never goes the way that they plan and they just kind of melt down because they don't know what to do with themselves, all right? I have to admit to you, I actually may be one of those people. And the only way that I can recognize that I am is when I see it in my daughter. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've created a monster, all right? High expectations, and if it doesn't go just like you expect, it's all for naught, right? But, but we have expectations. You and I have great expectations about what our, what, what our relationships are going to look like, what friendships should look like, what dating should look like, what, what your marriage should be like. And, 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 and so we have these expectations of what the, these relationships should do in our lives. We have expectations about what our future should hold or what our financial future looks like. And we have these dreams and these expectations. We expect that things in our lives should be overall just, just right and things should be fair, right? That we, we have that expectation, and the Christmas story itself, all right, is actually centered on great expectations. People like you and me who had expectations of what would happen in the future. Now, the Hebrew people spent about a thousand years listening to prophets that God had sent to them. Men and women sent to speak the truth of God to the people of Israel to correct them to rebuke them, to encourage them, to remind them that he's loving and faithful, and to guide them back on track into a relationship of trust with God, right? But throughout their history, the Jewish people faltered. They wavered in their trust and in their faith, and as a result, they faced many difficulties and hardships and threats from their enemies. It was a tumultuous season and life for the people of Israel as they wavered in their faith, and yet God still lovingly pursued them. This is the story of us. 
Okay, that God lovingly pursued the Jewish people, coaxing them back, reminding them of his goodness, saying, if you could just put away the things that you've done, if you could put away your sin, if you could put away your, your, your lack of trust and, and, and follow me and trust me, I'll take you to great places. And so Israel waited and expected. They waited for God to move, like he said he would. They, they waited for the Messiah to come, a savior who would set everything right. God said he was coming, right? And they waited for everything to be made right. So that's where we're gonna get our big idea for today, okay? Our big idea is the main point that we're gonna just keep driving back to all morning long, and that is that Jesus came to set things right. Jesus came to set things right. So what we've been doing and what we'll continue to do in the series this month is we're looking back at the, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament of the Bible, right? We're looking back at what those prophets that God sent to Israel, what did they say about the Messiah? What did they say he would be like? What did they say he would do? And so what we're also looking at is how Jesus fulfilled those promises, right? And if he did, and more importantly, if he does... All right, if 2,500 years ago or, or 3,000 years ago, these, these prophecies, all right, if Jesus does fulfill everything that they said he would be, if Jesus in his life and in his actions and his words did fulfill and become the savior that they said he would, if he did and if he does, then that has great ramifications for you and for me. How we respond to that matters a great deal. So about 600 years ago, no, not 600 years ago, that was, I don't know, people were exploring North America 600 years, 600 years before Jesus, all right, sorry, 600 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet named Jeremiah, Jeremiah, and Jeremiah ministered to the people for, for more than 40 years, all right, leading up to, and listen to this, Jeremiah ministered to the people for, for, for more than 40 years, leading up to, but also after they were held captive. They were defeated. The kingdom of Judah was conquered and carried into captivity by the nation of Babylon. And I want you to listen to the words that God gives to Jeremiah to say to the people. And we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 23. If you have a Bible app, I encourage you to pull Jeremiah 23 up. If you have your Bible with you, all right, the paper version even, all right, you can turn to Jeremiah 23 and we have Bibles for you at the hub and they're free. We just want to put God's word in your hands. You can stop in there afterwards. But we're going to be in Jeremiah 23. I want you to listen what it says in verse three. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, this is verse five, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous savior. 600 years before Jesus is born, this is the words of comfort and promise that Jeremiah makes to the Jewish people. He said that a Messiah is coming. A Messiah, a savior is coming and he will bring with him justice and righteousness. Righteousness. 
He's gonna set all things right. Sounds good. The Hebrew word for justice is mispat, mispat. And it's used more than 200 times in various forms throughout the Bible to talk about God's desire for justice. And here's what it means, all right? It's a state or a condition of fairness, especially in a legal dispute. A state, let me say it again, a state or a condition of fairness, especially in a legal dispute. See, justice is significant to God, and he cares a great deal about it. But justice for us gets a little bit more complicated. Because justice, especially in the last few years, is kind of a a hot button word for us, isn't it? If I say things like social justice, we, we, we start to like, oh, yeah, 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 right? Legal justice or, or personal justice. You see, justice is important to our Heavenly Father, and he cares about it a great deal. But the problem is we want justice too, but we don't really know what it means or what it looks like. We can't agree on it. So there's three things I want to point out to you today through God's word, through the prophet's and through what we find in the Christmas story, and that is justice. It's what we want, what we deserve, and what we get. And here's what, what, let's talk about what we want first. We want things to be fair, okay? This is probably most, the, one of the most primal instincts that you see come out of a child, fairness. And man, a kid can spot lack of fairness from like 10 miles away, Right? It's the very first thing. And you know it because you didn't really outgrow this. Neither did I, right? I mean, we say, oh, if somebody's got something that I want or I think I deserve or or, or if I didn't get the thing that I want, we say, the the first thing out of a kid's mouth, I swear it's got to be one of their first sentences is, that's not fair. That's not fair. I remember one Christmas. Oh, my gosh. um, I, I don't know. I must have been seven years old. So that my brother was probably 10. And, um... And my grandparents got, got us both Christmas gifts, and they came over early and gave them to us. And so he got this G.I. Joe, like, stealth bomber toy. I swear it's this big. It's awesome. Awesome. I mean, it's so cool. I mean, it, and, and I got a pogo ball. <laughs> Do you remember a pogo ball? Yeah, it was stupid. It was stupid then, and it sounds stupid now. And I got a pogo ball. And I was like, I remember storming out of the room in tears. I'm not sure that made my grandparents feel great, right? Because it wasn't fair, right? So, so I, I, I sense injustice. And, and the truth is that we are obsessed with justice. We look for it in these famous trials uh, of our time, like the O.J. Simpson trial or the Casey Anthony trial or the, murder, uh, the trial for the murder of George Floyd. See, we want justice. We're obsessed with it. We believe we know what it looks like. And we want to see justice for those who have hurt us or justice for others that we've seen be, be hurt, don't we? So if, if we've been, if our boss or a coworker has taken credit for something that you did or they've made you look bad, you want justice, right? If, if, if someone, if you felt rejected by someone or, or, or maybe worse, someone you love was hurt or rejected by someone else, you want justice for that person, don't you? I mean, this is something that stirs us deeply, usually towards anger, but it stirs in us deeply. A family member has done something to you and in the holidays maybe reminds you specifically of what they've done and it seems unforgivable and you want justice. Your, your friend has blasted you on social media a people group in our community has 
been marginalized or someone said they loved you and then hurt you like no one else could. It's justice and we want it. We want the, we want the wounded person, whether it's ourself or someone else, we want justice for them, right? We want the guilty party to get what's coming to them, don't we? That's justice. We want the, the guilty, the offender to, to be punished. We want to see what's wrong be made right. That's what we want. I want to take a quick peek with you at another prophet here real quick, and we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 42 I want you to listen what God says through Isaiah about the Messiah and the justice that he brings. So look at Isaiah 42 with me. We're going to hit verse 1 and then skip down. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. This is what God, the Lord says, the creator of heavens, who stretches them out and who spreads out the earth with all of the springs from it and who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and I will take hold of your hand to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness." Justice. The thing is, we all want it. We want the hurt and, 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 and the pain and the anger and the dark things in our lives and the lives of others. We want it fixed. We want it paid for. We want it set right. And so does your heavenly father. See, this is where we are alike, a lot alike to our heavenly dad. And it's no wonder that our hearts ache for justice because it's a, it's a sentiment and it's a desire because every single one of us was made in the image of our, of our God and our heavenly father. So we bear his likeness, we bear his image and he wants justice. He wants to set things right. He wants to th see things made whole. And so do you because our dad does and we're a lot like him. And not only does he want to see it happen, he's been doing it already. Jesus came to set things right. So to understand justice, we don't really need a firm understanding of what we want. We kind of know what we want, but to understand justice and to live just lives, to live justly, then we have to receive justice too. So here's the second part. I've told you what we want. Let's talk about what we deserve. So around 600 BC, the Babylonians conquered the Jewish kingdom of Judah. They conquered the kingdom, and after a long history of disobedience and idol worship and ignoring God's pursuit and ungodly leaders and kings that led Judah, the peak, Judah was conquered, and many of the people were carried off into captivity into Babylon. How is that justice? I mean, after all, if you think about what we want, we think, but didn't God say when he led them out of slavery in Egypt that he would be their God and, and, and they would be his people? Didn't we just read, wasn't Jeremiah's words, that, that he himself would come and care for them and lead them to pasture and lead them to blessings overflowing? Didn't God say he would care for them? So what happened? 
That's a question, it's a fair question. See, the Jewish people had to face a sobering truth. And, and, and the reality is, if you want to respond to Jesus and understand him, then it's a sobering reality that you and I have to face today too. God wants justice for his enemies. Now, Paul is gonna remind his readers of this and you're gonna fast forward about, you know, uh, 700 years from the time that Judah was carried off into captivity. Paul is writing to the church in the city of Colossae, and, he's, and he says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Oh, wait a minute. Because I, we scream for justice. And I've yelled at it for sitting on my couch at the TV screen just like you have. We scream for justice, we malign others, and we blame God when we don't receive what we think is just and fair. But what about the other side of justice? Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, quotes this from one of the prophets. And I want to read to you from Jude chapter 1, the New Testament of the Bible. And I'm going to read it from you, to you from the message version because I like the way that it reads. All right, so listen to what he says. He says, look, the master comes with thousands of holy angels to bring judgment against them all, convicting each person of every defiling act of shameless sacrilege of every dirty word they have spewed from their pious filth. These are the complainers, the belly acres, grabbing for the biggest piece of the pie, talking big, saying anything they think will get them ahead. Who's he talking about? Church, you don't have to read very far into scripture. The Old Testament, the story of the Jewish people or, or the time of Jesus and beyond. No, he's talking about you and me. We're God's enemies. You say, well, wait a minute. Aren't you, you and Kevin always up here talking about how we're sons and daughters of a, of a heavenly father? Oh, we are. But there was a time before we knew Jesus that we were God's enemies. And we deserve to be separated from a holy and good God and father for the things that we've done, the things that we've thought about for all eternity. Why? Why do we deserve that? Because he told us what was right and good and true. And we said, thank you. I'm going to take that under advisement, but then I'm going to think and I'm going to do and I'm going to act. I'm going to believe the things that I want to that I think will get me to the place where I want to go. In church, that's called sin. And we're quick to demand justice for others and unfair circumstances but what about when you're the one who needs a just ruling laid on your head? How badly do you want justice then? See, justice is beautiful because it sets things right. But justice is also terrible because in order for things to be made right and fair, we have to be punished. And you can't ask for justice without demanding to receive it yourself. 
And church, that puts us in a very precarious spot. Jesus came to set things right. Now, I've told you what we want, and we all know what we want when it comes to justice. I've had to share, and it's not fun, to share with you what we deserve. Now, let me tell you what we get. When it comes to justice, what we get, what we receive. So Jeremiah told the people of Judah that that a Messiah was coming, and he was going to bear this name, the Lord, our righteous Savior. It's a good name. That this Messiah would literally, this, this king, this savior, would bear the name of God himself, Jehovah, Yahweh. That, that this name of God, he would have it and it would, and it would, it would denote his, his eternal qualities and his sovereign power. That that will be the Savior. It will be God himself. And in those days when the Messiah comes, God himself will regather his, scatter, his scattered people. He will, he will care for and restore his people, the righteous and just Savior of the world. God's going to come and make everything right. See, God's always been concerned for justice. He's always been with, obsessed with it. In Leviticus chapter 25 in the Old Testament of the Bible, Hebrew slaves had to be freed every six years. Be set free, indentured servants had to be set free every six years. Just be freed from their, from their debts and from their servitude and enslavement. About every 50 years during the year of Jubilee, uh, every prop, piece of property had to be returned back to, the right, to, the, to its original owners, to the families who owned that once again. And families were to return to their properties Throughout the, the book of Leviticus, you see God, there, there are laws about crop sharing during times of plenty and during times of famine and want. There were laws about caring for the poor. And no economic or welfare or social system that you and I have ever heard of quite captures God's desire for equity and care and justice. He plans on it. He expects it. He desires it himself. 400 years after Jeremiah's words, there's this great expectation still looming for the people of Israel and Judah. And the great expectation of a Messiah unfolds to a young woman named Mary in a town of Nazareth. And Mary says it beautifully. When after this angelic announcement that she will bear in her womb the Messiah, the Lord, our righteous Savior. And I want to read to you from Luke chapter 1, her song, her prayer, her meditation to the Lord. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of his, some, the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Guys, there was a 14-year-old-ish girl who was about to become the mother of our Savior who understood something really well. Justice. And the Christmas story, the, the events at Christmas was the advent of God's justice pouring out over this earth like a flood of grace and love. God was setting in motion his plan for eternity to finally set things right. And Jesus came to fulfill and take his place as the promised Messiah. And the justice, okay, here's where we get it. And the justice that he proclaimed is not the justice that you and I think of, or even the justice exactly like you and I want. The justice he proclaimed was that of forgiveness. And all our righteousness and all of our rightness with God flows from his, from him to us. You have to understand something about justice this morning, church. Brothers and sisters, you got to understand something about justice. There is no justice without forgiveness. I heard a story not too long ago and read it recently. Corey Tenboom and her sister were arrested and thrown into a Nazi concentration camp for harboring Jews in their home in Holland. And Corey Tenboom will, will recount this story um, walking naked past the guards, humiliated, frail, starving. Her sister died in that concentration camp, but she was liberated. A couple of years later, she was attending a church service in Munich. And she was speaking in the basement of this church, sharing of some of her time in the, in the camp and talking about God's unspeakable forgiveness and love. And she says, as she was done speaking, there was a man that started walking forward down the aisle that she recognized, coming to her as everyone else is exiting. And she recognized him. He was one of the prison guards, one of her captors. She said, I remember I could picture him with his baton he used to beat us hanging off of his belt. And this man came up to her and said, Frolein, madam, um, I just wanted to thank you for speaking about forgiveness. Now he didn't recognize her, she said, but she knew who he was. And then he goes to tell her a story. He says, a few years ago, I was a guard at one of the camps. And I just would like, but since then I've become a Christian man. And I wanna thank you for speaking about how God has put our sins way out into the ocean, that I am forgiven and set free. She talks about in that moment, he reaches out his hand to shake hers. And she says, she just puts her hand in her pocket and fumbles nervously with something else. She wasn't sure she could do it. But he thanked her and she was gracious. And then she never saw him again. See, we owed God a sin debt. And the debt is never canceled. 
You cannot cancel a debt. We talk about, we use that word, but you can't cancel a debt. If you owed someone $100, a friend of yours, and you went to that friend and said, I can't pay you the $100, and they said, you know what? It's okay, you don't have to pay me back. That debt just doesn't like disintegrate into thin air. The lender has to absorb it. The lender has to pay it for you. And Jesus came to set things right. And there's three things I wanna ask you to think about this week. One is that you just take the week, every day this week, just read Psalm 98 and meditate on those words. Psalm 98, you can write that down, you can take a picture on the screen there just so you'll remember. Psalm 98, and you just meditate on the truth and the the beauty of that passage every day this week. Here's the second thing I wanna ask you to do. Pursue justice in your relationships and in our community. Unless you pursue justice with forgiveness, then you will only be pursuing vengeance. Forgiveness has to come first to pursue justice. Pursue justice for yourself, for the marginalized in our community, for other people who have been hurt, but pursue it with forgiveness. And I, I, I know there's, a just, there's an injustice in your life right now that you want so badly for it to be made right. And I promise you, God's gonna do what he's gonna do, but he's gonna do it through you first. Forgive and seek justice for what is best and right and restorative for all people involved. And thirdly, surrender your life to Jesus, the Messiah, the righteous one, our savior. If you've never made the commitment to be baptized, if you as yourself, as a person of faith, said, I don't understand at all, but I believe this, that God has pursued me and he loves me and that Jesus died for me. And if you've never made that decision to be baptized, we're gonna celebrate baptisms next Sunday here in our services. And I invite you, you can come find me or Kevin afterwards. You can email one of us afterwards. We would love to talk to you about that. God loves you. You're his son and daughter. Accept that. Your debt was bought and paid for in blood. This all was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. He was everything the prophet said that he would be just and wise and righteous and savior. And he was so much more. When we experience that kind of grace, our only response is love and faithfulness pray with me. Father, we worship you, a God of righteousness and justice. For all that has not yet been made right, Father, I pray that you would give us forgiveness, patience, and wisdom and love, waiting for you, Father, one day to right everything that's been made wrong. And until we wait for that day, Father, give us the wisdom to do our part and forgiveness and seek justice. But Father, Before that, I pray that we would know your forgiveness and your great love and your great mercy. And though we deserved death and eternal separation, Father, you gave us your son and you stepped in and took our place. For that, God, we worship you. For that, God, we ask you to draw out of us faith. 
We love you. And we thank you for this season. And in the name of Jesus, amen.